0: You're listening to TechNATO. Welcome and thanks for joining us for another episode of TechNATO. I'm one of your hosts for the show, Sophie Goodwin. Of course, as always, we want to thank our sponsor, ACI Learning. Those are the folks behind IT Pro, and that's what we do in our day jobs. We teach these courses about audit, cyber, and IT, and it's a lot of fun. If you haven't checked it out already, head over to the ACI Learning website, and you can see us do what we do. But as I said, I'm not your only host for the show. I'm not alone. As always, I've got Don Pazette to my left, how are you doing this morning?
1: I am doing great. You know, uh, last week we forgot to report on some very important news, mm. which was that the groundhog did not see his shadow. Mm. You know, we, we we totally failed at Groundhog Day did, reporting. Did you watch uh, Groundhog Day on Groundhog Day? Uh, I did, yes. I did as well. <laughs> I did as well. <laughs> and <laughs> and so, uh, so we have an early spring predicted for this year, which means the hackers can get out of their houses where they're <laughs> staying warm and out and about. Back out to the parks and stuff. Does and that
2: mean there'll be a less hacking? I think because so. they'll be outside.
1: I think the Groundhog actively predicts, yeah. you know, how how significant <laughs> our cybersecurity threats are going to be each year.
0: That's really the whole reason we do Groundhog Day. If you, if you look at the history of it, you know, yeah. it's, it's a real holiday, not a made up holiday like Valentine's Day. That's it's right, bit, it's real. Daniel, did you did you watch the broadcast live? I'm assuming since you asked, the maybe you, you live. caught of of Groundhog Day. Did you catch oh, any no, of that? No, I did
2: not watch that. I watched the movie Groundhog oh. Day with oh, Bill I see. Murray. With yep. Bill Murray because it's amazing. Okay. And I see that's I c- what I do every groundhog day.
0: Oh, it's a tradition for you. It's okay. a tradition. Okay. Yes. Yep. I caught a little bit of the broadcast where they bring that poor little groundhog out and <laughs> you can tell he's just like they're holding him up there. It's punk a Punk Punks Phil. And it's it's like a it's like a rock concert. So oh, right. oh yeah but with top hats. It's weird. It's yep, very I, weird.
1: I watched it recorded, uh, yeah. and those people take their job way too seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Considering what they're doing, like, way too serious. I believe he just smiled at me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> if
0: my job was to sponsor a groundhog, yeah, I would I would take that very seriously. That, yeah. That's, like, that's got to be the most fun job in the world. But, uh, you know, not to short our jobs. Our jobs are pretty fun, too, because we get to talk about everything that's going right and wrong in the world of IT and cybersecurity, etc., go ahead and jump in. We've, we've got some good stuff today. Like you said, there's a lot's been going on uh, this past week. I know Daniel was talking before the show about how Microsoft has had a little bit of a rough week. So we'll, we'll get to that. But this article comes to us from Tom's Hardware. Impending Windows 11 update will let you set up Wi-Fi connections with the camera app and QR codes. And this does seem like it'd be hey that's pretty convenient. All I gotta do is pull out my phone and scan it. But I've I've also heard rumors that QR codes can sometimes present a little bit of a security issue. Am, am I am yeah, I right or wrong yeah. on that?
1: You are right. And you know this is this is technology that's already available in a lot of mobile devices. So if you have a cell phone, Android, iOS, the odds are you can already take a picture. You don't even have to take a picture. You just turn your camera on pointed at a QR code, and if it's got a Wi-Fi ID and you know SSID and password in there, then you can pull it up on your camera, tap little link, and you automatically connect to the Wi-Fi. Super convenient. I've been to a number of conference rooms where they just have a little placard sitting on the conference table. You scan it, and off you go. Well, what's interesting here is that they're bringing it into the desktop OS, so into the Windows 11 operating system. If you're on a laptop or even a desktop, that functionality will be there. Now, on a desktop, not particularly useful. But on a laptop, most laptops have a camera. Uh, they usually only have a front-facing camera, so it'll be awkward as hell. But <laughs> it'll be fun you know, if you if you grab a placard off the table and hold it up, and then you can kind of scan it and get it that way. So, I appreciate the convenience of this. But Sophie, you're you're exactly right. Is that visually, there's no way for you to verify what a QR code is going to do. And some of the apps that are available, when you when you hold your camera up and you look at the QR code, it'll show you the URL you're about to click on. But thanks to URL shorteners and things, like, it's not always meaningful. Um, it, it's tough to trust what's in a QR code. And I feel like this system needs an extra safety layer on it. Like you see the QR code, you go to tap on it, and then it gives you some kind of summary of what's about to happen before it actually does it. And that doesn't happen on a lot of devices.
2: No. Plus, if if it is the like SSID and the password and everything, well, the password is in there, right? Like, so yep. If I did have a QR code verifying app and it would show me a preview of what is actually in the QR code, would I not then also have the password? Yeah. So if I were doing like a physical walkthrough of your environment and there were sensitive areas of your Wi-Fi, I would just have to find those QR codes and... Walk by and scan them.
1: Yeah, but and I, possibly
2: like pull and nobody reuses passwords for any other thing. I'm <laughs> so it's, sure it's not a problem. But you know, just in case.
1: But I think that's a risk you're gonna have no matter what, because you you go to these conference rooms today and the the wireless password is just they written on, on, a, on a whiteboard. On a dry board. Yeah. 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 And uh, that's
2: also stupid. And, and, <laughs> hey,
1: if you have a guest network that's specifically designed for that, like a visitor network, right. then the risk is. If it's a guest, network. I'm not talking about
2: yeah. guest networks that are designed to be connected to by randoms, right? It is. I'm talking about the sensitive. Areas, oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Then, yeah.
1: You're, then you're in trouble. Yeah. And people <laughs>
2: do. I mean, it's not like we find passwords under keyboards anymore, right? That's a long gone oh, era. Goodness. That does not exist anymore. <laughs> I'm kidding. People still do that. Um, other than that, just are, are we really that that lazy now that we have to, we can't just type in a username and password. Well, thanks
1: to password complexity and uh, you know, one problem this does solve yeah. is people don't like to rotate wireless passwords, That's right? true. And and we know that we could do, like, with WPA3 or WPA2 for that matter, right. you can do uh, WPA2 Enterprise yeah. and use certificates for authentication. Every person gets their own certificate, or even better, every device gets its own certificate, so you can turn them on, turn them off, whenever you want. But it's a pain in the butt to set up, so most companies don't do it. They just do a single pre-shared key. Right. Everybody gets this key, everybody gets their devices set, and if you rotate... Everybody has to change their key, which is a pain. Well, if all they had to do was come in and scan this little little sign the next time they're in, it's not such a big deal. But if they have to type in a sixteen character you know, string with asterisk and exclamation point and lowercase, like that's that's frustrating.
2: It is. It, it is. But I mean,
1: <laughs> it's just, we're broken, Daniel. What's right? happening here? It, it just seems like
2: <laughs> it's it's not that bad. For I I. I I remember being on a help desk, right? I remember back in the day, when an old Danny boy answering phones, people calling up with their problems. Mm-hmm. And you got a lot of problems like, hey, there's this weird P-looking character in my Outlook email that I'm creating. How do you make that go away? I'm like, you Google it and you figure, like, <laughs> like, like is it, like, what, what, or I, I have I have double spaces in, in, in uh, my, all my stuff is double spaced. I mean, does it cause a problem? I just don't like the way it looks. Okay, Oh, okay. Like this is generating a help desk ticket for real. Like uh, we had a lot of stuff that were very similar. Let's let's not let's not go down that road. Like, I really hate the fact that we have become so dependent on automation for everything. I think you. Lo- so I'm a huge fan of of cars with stick shifts. I think that every person should learn how to drive with a with a manual clutch in a clutch because it makes you more attentive to the vehicle. You can't just hit the gas and go, you know, just hit the brakes and stop. You have to downshift. You have to upshift. You have to put it in neutral at certain times. You have to rev the engine at a certain speed. You have to pay attention to the flow of traffic and you're, you're more connected to your vehicle and what's going on in the road because you have to by default. And if that's what we're building with drivers, then automation comes and it's nice but you still have that ingrained sense of how to work with the, the device itself.
1: It's
0: like understanding how to use your backup mirrors to back up yeah. in the car as opposed to just relying yeah, on a th- camera.
2: There's ride. a lot of good that comes out of going through that little bit of struggle in in your formative time of, of dealing with a thing so that as you get into nice things that allow you to be able to scan a QR code, you don't just mm-hmm. take it for granted and things become yeah. unsafe.
1: Uh, although I will say, like, if I'm having to shift the car... How am I supposed to send text messages? <laughs> like that's, It is uh, very yeah. difficult. I will, I will concede the point, sir. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's already bad <laughs> enough that I have to look up every... Every 30 seconds or so. We literally have drive-
2: self-driving cars
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> Don's climbing in the back and reading
2: his word piece. And just for the record, I do not have a self-driving
1: car. <laughs> but, but, you know, for me, I, I'm not so worried about sharing the wireless password because yeah. there's so many easy ways to fix that. Um, I, I used to work for a bank and we... Only had a public Wi-Fi. We didn't have a private Wi-Fi. Right, you don't have to worry about it. It was a public Wi-Fi that had its own internet connection. And if an employee needed to use it, they had to VPN in to get to the private stuff, just like they were at home or anywhere else. We treated it the same. Nice. So it gave us one attack surface. You know, you, you VPN in. Yeah. Uh, and that was protected, and that was the way that we solved that problem. And there's
2: but, no QR code for that.
1: <laughs> but so for me, you know, it's not the wireless password. This problem. It's that you don't know what the QR code is going to do because that's some correct. QR codes have a wireless ID in them. Some of them just have a URL. Some of them actually can contain binary data. You just, you don't know what a QR code contains. You you recognize the complex ones. You like the ones that are, are four squares instead mm-hmm. of one. And, and so, you know, those do something more and maybe you're a little more cautious there, but I don't think most people even consider that. I,
2: I've, I've just been so, uh, glow, what's the word? Leery of, of QR codes for so long now that I just, I just ignore them. Mm-hmm. They do not exist in this dojo, um, I don't scan them. I don't do anything with them. Like you give me a QR code. I'm like, yeah, cool. Send me a link.
0: <laughs> when I was on campus over at the, at the university, it was like about a year or two into me being there. Every single flyer that I saw, cause they're everywhere. They're all over every single pole near campus. They're all over the walls, the billboards. But every single one had instead of having the little things you tear off that it's yeah. like oh you know call check this out number, this website yeah. to call this number or whatever it was every single one was like it's just a QR code just scan it because it's easier and some of it was like check out my mixtape because people still do that mm. some of it was like hey check out the website for this this club that we're gonna put together it hey, reminds we're having me a-
2: of the Mr. Robot episode where the guys out on the street going hey I got my 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 CD man buy my CD check out my beats and and it's it's just malware it- <laughs> as soon as you plug the CD <laughs> in it's malware if he had it on a USB drive it was malware and he was like doing sex rotation or whatever
0: mm. yeah but it's i, I think especially because i know you had talked about um you know how in conference rooms they'll just have like the password written on a on a whiteboard or whatever and i think for something like this it says seamless connection to public hotspots so i think like starbucks panera bread you can things like those, that
1: the airport to,
0: <laughs> like <laughs> why, me personally?
2: why are we connecting to public wi-fi when we have 5g internet just about every dang where yeah,
0: that's that's a fair point. But then it's like, OK, then what's the point of the QR codes in the first place? If you shouldn't be connecting to the Wi-Fi at all, what is OK, this just makes it easier to do something you shouldn't be doing.
2: This is what I'm saying. And yeah. it seems it seems yeah. like this it, is
0: just, you know, it solves a problem, but it's it creates it's a, a lot ha- more it's problems. It's a hammer
2: looking for a nail. Yeah. Right. And it, to me, it's like I'm willing to give up a, a, a little bit and have a little bit of frustration mm-hmm. for a little bit more security. Yeah. Right. And that's cool. I don't mind that. I, I can be responsible for myself. But when you're a security admin or something like that, you you have to, you're going to have to deal with people that do not take security any kind of serious. And we're trying to help me help you, right? It's uh, help me help you. Let's stop doing these things that just make it's pennies in a penny jar. They just continue to add up to the, um, a more insecure environment. And we want to create more secure environments, not insecure ones. And if you get people used to this type of thing and they're more open and they go, that's not my fault. You gave me the, you gave me the system to abuse and they will abuse it. So we have to help them by building more secure systems.
0: I feel like you need like a a TED Talk microphone and like a you know you need to, this is That's like a, time, for an gentlemen. American flag for waving it. behind you or something you know there should have been some music playing.
1: I think it's you know, Dan Daniel teaches cybersecurity through analogy. We got yeah. a hammer yeah. looking for a nail, yeah. a jar full of pennies. A, That's right. A, a, a sock and a bar of soap. It's whatever.
2: it's, the, it's uh, uh, Jalad, a Darmok and Gilad. It's
1: Best episode ever. It really is
2: good. If you guys haven't seen that, is Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why you're looking at me. You know I don't know. Because I know you haven't (laughs) seen it. You know I don't know.
0: (laughs) No. Well, I was gonna wrap up this article by, by taking a look at some of the comments, but there are none. Nobody, <laughs> nobody shockingly, cares. nobody. This has been up a few days now, and nobody has said anything about it, at least on this particular website. So I, uh, I need to respond, and I'm, just my comment will be, <laughs> <yeah>. "Duh." <laughs> yeah,
2: you gotta respond with Darmok and, <laughs> and That's it. When the walls fell. <laughs>
0: I'm so glad this has tickled oh, you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's just such a random reference. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this next article does have some comments on it, so maybe we'll get to those in a little bit. Uh, this one also comes to us from Tom's Hardware. It says, Google proposes users of older Windows 10 PCs to migrate to Chrome OS Flex, 600 devices certified. So you can keep an old PC, but use a new operating system. So, sounds sounds convenient, but I feel like that also means it's probably not. There's a way sure. that it could go wrong.
1: Yep. So, uh, you know, last week, uh, if you listened to Technato, we talked about a couple of things. And, and one thing that came up was uh, a weird ancient processor uh a cpu instruction that windows 11 is going to start requiring and and so one of the things daniel asked was like you know what what happens to these computers that can't upgrade and and i i said i said they can just stay on windows 10 by the way when we asked uh, people to tell us how old what's their oldest computer we got a lot of
2: comments on that it was great It was a really cool interaction
1: So, I mean, people hang on to stuff, right? Yeah, they do. And so I I made the comment of they can just stay on Windows 10, and you asked, when does Windows 10 end? And I didn't didn't remember. So I was looking for that, and it was just kind of timely that Google had made an announcement saying, oh, by the way, remember, October 14th, 2025. So a a year and a half from now is when Windows 10 support ends. And Microsoft is doing a thing where you can do paid support for a couple of years after, but... People don't do that, right? That's just not a real thing. I mean, <laughs> if you're in government or enterprise, yes, but regular people don't. So in October of 2025, so in a year and a half, that's when Windows 10 support ends. And that's when, if you've got a system that doesn't have a TPM or you know is missing the uh, population counter instruction set, then, then you won't be able to upgrade to Windows 11. And what do you do? You can stay on Windows 10 that's not supported, not getting security updates, or you can do something else. And usually what I tell people is, Install Linux. You'll be pleasantly surprised, right? Because it it runs really well on just about any hardware. There's a
2: lot of good Linux distros out there that give you some really good look and feel of something you're used to and comfortable with. And all the horsepower that goes along with it.
1: But many people are either intimidated by Linux or don't want to deal with the process, aren't used to installing an OS. And so Google's trying to streamline things a bit with Chrome OS Flex. And we talked about Chrome OS Flex uh, I don't know, probably six well, or eight man, months yeah. ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago. And, uh, you know, it's it's basically just Chrome OS, but that you can install on any device. In the past, you couldn't do that. If you wanted to run Chrome OS, you had to go and buy a Chromebook or yeah. one of the very, very few Chrome PCs. And Flex is free, right? Uh, it is free, yeah. yeah. yep. So you, well, you know, w- what's free when yeah, it comes yeah. to Google, it's, right? Hmm. Remember... Did you have an There's analogy for that always a price one? to pay. <laughs> a fox in the hen house or something? <laughs> that's, I, right, I don't know. that's right. There's <laughs> something.
2: When the camel comes and his nose is wide, no, <laughs> I'm so, making things up. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm gonna, that so she just just looking at me like, where the hell analogy to this go? What are like, you trying
0: to connect? It's another thing I don't get. It's yeah. another reference mm. I don't get.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so you know, what you can do here is install Chrome OS, which is effectively Linux deep down under the hood, but it just boots up and drops you in an environment that mostly just runs Chrome. And for many people, that's fine. A web-based experience is what they want. But there's some challenges here. You know, you won't be able to run Windows apps, uh, although there is uh, a <laughs> crossover for Chrome OS that you can try. I've, I've used it. It doesn't work very well. But, uh, you know, you really just get kind of tied down to a single browser environment, and Google effectively gets to pick through all your stuff. So... I don't think that's necessarily a trade-off most people will want to take, especially when you could just buy a Chromebook for $100. bucks. they are cheap. Yeah. I feel like the people that do install, they don't care. They don't care at all.
2: They're like, yeah, Google, take all my stuff. I don't yeah. give a crap. Yeah. They, they don't, a, they probably don't even realize that that's happening. B, if they did the obligatory boilerplate response of, well, I'm not doing anything that, any, that I cared that anyone knows about anyway. So... You know, I got nothing to hide. Yeah. Yeah. Because the abuse of private and personal information has never happened before. So I'm sure it won't happen
1: now. If you can't (laughs) trust Mark Zuckerberg and Sergey Brin, if you can't trust those guys, I mean, they're just regular people, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Average I, everyday Joe like you or I'm, myself. I'm just a regular <laughs> person. My butler puts my pants on one leg at a time, just like everybody that's else. Right. is. You know, I, <laughs> do I not
2: feel the cold of the gold plated toilet
1: when yeah. I sit on it? People don't realize don't, the, you know, right. the trials. <laughs>
0: I know you. You had kind of mentioned that like most people that would do this probably don't care about those potential negatives in, in the first place. And I think that's I think it's pretty accurate. There was somebody in the in the comments that had said. Uh, They were referencing a part of the article that said Chrome OS currently holds a modest 1.78% share of the global PC OS market. And this person, um, Geef or Geef, I'm sorry if that's supposed to be a soft (laughs) G. I don't want to mispronounce the name. That number would probably be so much lower if so many low-end laptops didn't come with Chrome OS. You're feeding on the not-so-smart people of the world who don't check the OS before buying a laptop. Now, I resent that. I think there are a lot of people that are decently smart, that this is maybe an area that they're not super well-versed in does make them dumb people right, like i think a phd
2: in astrophysics probably doesn't really
0: well yeah i mean you can be a perfectly intelligent person and this is maybe just something that you're not super well versed in or you don't true. care you don't particularly care maybe you're not ignorant to it or maybe you are but you're willfully ignorant right i don't know that it's an issue of like oh these dumb people in the world don't check their os for buying i don't think that's necessarily fair that's just my opinion i, I,
1: I get where you're going with that yeah and that makes sense I, so i'm i'm thinking. Um, of other areas. I'm thinking cell phones. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know phones very well and you go into the store and there's an iPhone sitting next to a Samsung Galaxy phone, right? Yeah. Uh, for somebody who doesn't really know systems, they practically look the same. Yeah. Right. They're very, very little visually different in them. The, even the operating systems, they, you know, it's icons laid out on a grid. They don't really look very different. And if you were to buy one versus the other, they both do the same thing. So right. does it, does it really matter, right? Even though we, we know here on, on Technado that iOS and Android are wildly different and there's plenty of apps that only run on one versus the other and um, and it's, it's two different companies to get to pick through your stuff. Yeah, and the, <laughs>
2: the, the philosophical um, things that they do internally for the OS is completely different. I mean, yeah, they look a lot of the same and they do a lot of the same things, but how they do it is different. And you ask anybody that's, over fifty. <laughs> that is a different ball game because yeah. they they look at an Android phone and go, This is crazy. This is just completely unintuitive. Whereas I go, that stupid iPhone is junk. I cannot believe they do things the way they do things. Yes, it does it, but where's the damn back button on the thing? You know? It's yeah. like,
1: so thinking uh-huh. of
2: I see Sophia. Speaking
1: like, of what Sophie was saying, though, like, her iPhone. you know, if it's preying on people, right? The one where I think they're preying on people, is, and it's not necessarily intentional, it's just incompetence. Uh, <laughs> remember when Microsoft first rolled out the ARM tablets? Yeah. So that you, know, you had Windows 8? Uh, well, they had the Surface, right? Mm-hmm. But then there was the Surface X. I, I think there still is, right? Surface yeah. X. So if you get a regular Surface as an Intel processor, it's running Windows. You can run all your apps, all the stuff right. you're used to. It's just a Windows laptop, basically, just expensive and fancy. Uh, but if you got the X version, it had an ARM processor on it. And I can't tell you how many people went out and bought those and then were like, wait a minute, I can't install this app or I can't install that app because they they weren't compiled for ARM. That was one where... Somebody could be walking down the aisle in Best Buy and see two Windows machines next to each other and not know that right. one was ARM and what that means, and like yeah. that's a that's a big deal. I mean,
2: that's kind of true with with Apple Silicon as well, right? There are some, uh, some now, things yeah. that do not run on those because they just haven't been developed to do that quite yet, and they're working on it because that's that's we love the performance of the new Apple Silicon; it's, it's amazing. So now, every all the software vendors have to kind of catch up. But if you don't know that going yeah. in. You could be caught going. Why doesn't this work? This yeah. is a, this is a, this is a three thousand dollar laptop, and I can't run my. You know, I can't run Candy Crush.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, either way, I I do not think that Google is. Well, I do think Google's preying on customers. Absolutely. That's a fact, but yeah. but not with these Chromebooks. And I, I do think that the low cost Chromebooks have allowed a lot of people to gain access to computers and the internet that wouldn't have normally had that kind of access. Right. Uh, the idea of schools issuing a MacBook to every student, right? There's plenty of schools that do that and it takes a lot of money to do that. And when you're in a underfunded like inner city school where you don't have those kind of resources, you don't want to just tell the kids, hey, you get nothing. So you know if you can get, Chromebooks or something like that. It's it's putting technology in front of people, which I, I think is a good thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of people that it's even if this is something that would only be useful if you're if you're only ever running a bunch of stuff in a web browser and you're not ever going beyond that. There's a lot of people that do that. I, I would argue. Uh, I mean, a lot of people that I know, probably a lot of people you guys know. I know that for this audience and even in this office, maybe that's not true, but I think. Of the general public yeah i go in a browser i check the email i like i don't go into my desktop apps a lot i don't you know this is just this yeah. is where i exist on my machine yeah, yeah. everything's um,
2: cloud-based at this point yeah
0: yeah so yeah i don't i don't know every time i go in the comments i regret it because there's always <laughs> something that i'm like oh, i don't know about that one but uh,
1: anyway, I, I remember reading one comment that made me laugh because it was somebody saying they would never use a chromebook They're like i don't trust google i don't want them getting my information and I should be able to fire up my laptop and go to Facebook and not have to worry about Google getting at my data. <laughs> and it just made me laugh out that loud. Is funny. I'm like, oh, all right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Facebook is fine. And that's super funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: think you understand how this works, son. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, it's okay to hate Google if you want to, but don't pretend like privacy is your reason. You any favors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't,
0: don't lie to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll move on to this next article. This one, uh, maybe we'll have a little more fun with this one, uh, or maybe I I won't get as irritated. (laughs) This one comes to us. Uh, We're pulling this from Slashdot. Linux becomes a CVE numbering authority like Curl and Python. Is this a turning point? Question mark. I feel like there should be a thumbnail here, which somebody going like this. This is a, this is very much a YouTube uh, title. So you guys probably would know better than I would if this is truly a turning point. Linux being a CVE numbering authority is what would be the point of of making this happen?
1: All right. So uh, a couple couple things here. So first off, I, I forget what it's called. There's a uh, a named phenomenon where anytime you see a headline that has a question mark at the end of it, hmm. it can be answered with no. <laughs> and so, you know, you you look at a headline, is this a, is this a turning point? You just say no, and then you don't even have to read the article. You move you just, on. that that's <laughs> that, right? You know, uh, it it's just that, that's the madness. Uh, anytime you see a headline that has a question mark, it's effectively an editorial, right? So that that's where you have to take it with a grain of salt. Bait. Yeah. <laughs> but in this case, I thought this was really neat because you know, I, I try and learn something new every day, right? I, I try and make myself a better person each and every day, and, and technology lets me do that, right? I can learn a lot of new stuff. And this was one of those cases where I learned something new. The headline was, Linux becomes a CVE numbering authority. And I was like, wait a minute, MITRE does Here's the CVE the CD, numbers, yeah. right? They are the numbering authority. Uh, And then it says like curl and Python. I'm like, wait a minute. How many of these numbering authorities are there? And I I wish I had an answer. I don't have an answer to that. Uh, But apparently MITRE doesn't have the lockdown on CVE numbers. Like I thought they did. You know, normally I would go to MITRE.org, MITRE.org. And that's where you pull up the CVEs and they issue numbers and so on. But it turns out that they're not running the show alone. There are trusted providers that are out there or trusted authorities that are able to connect into MITRE and actually generate the CVEs so and log them in quite there. Quite a few. And oh, you found a
2: list. Well, I mean, I guess these are partners by country, and in the United States alone, there's 193. All
1: Ooh. right. <laughs> uh, so everybody else is, is like way less. Apparently, just about anybody can issue CVE numbers Looks these like days. China's
2: number two with 20.
1: Huh. Right? Wow. And we've got. Um, you think Israel would be up there, right? Because of all the cybersecurity so stuff Germany's they have. Got
2: 14. Japan's got 11. Let's see. Let me see here. Israel, Israel's got nine. Ireland one. India seven. Uh, Lithuania has one. Oh, you think India would six. have more? Of, I mean, they yeah. Have, no country uh, affiliation
1: has one. That uh, seems weird. weird. Or maybe that's miter. No, it can't be miter. Um, maybe it's like yeah. a like a province or. a... Sealand. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was like, I was thinking like, I guess Puerto Rico is technically part of the United States of America, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But it's like a
0: you it's know territory. I
2: mean.
1: Yeah, it's a territory.
0: Mm.
2: Uh, Interesting.
1: <laughs> well, so uh, so anyhow, so I, I learned something new, which is MITRE doesn't operate in a bubble where they're the ones who determine what gets a CV and what doesn't. They've got a number of other organizations they work with that do that. Uh, and the Linux kernel team has now joined that group. Now, it's not – we have to be careful because the headline says Linux, and the word Linux itself can mean a lot of things. This doesn't mean Canonical and Ubuntu or uh, – uh, Slackware or, you know, whatever. This it's, is like the Linux the,
2: foundation, right? Like the Linux kernel, the kernel team, yeah, yeah. which
1: is actually different than the oh, foundation as okay. well. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah there's it's a whole it's political a barrier yeah. here. Yeah. But By the, the way,
2: 363 total partners. Wow. That's a wow. lot.
1: Yeah. That is a lot, which I mean, if you issue a lot of CVEs, which they do, yeah. um, you know, thousands a year. So <laughs> I guess it comes yeah, in from, someone's p- got to do all that work <laughs> <laughs> for a nonprofit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, So, yeah, so I I learned something new. It's exciting. And, uh, you know, hopefully you guys learned something, too. I I don't know that... Makes us do anything different.
2: Adobe Systems is one of them. Advanced oh Jesus! Micro. All right, never mind. This <laughs> this program is devoid of value. <laughs>
1: yeah, just disregard
2: CVEs, ladies and gentlemen. This is just a pile of crap. Adobe, <laughs> Adobe's I, who, issuing them. Who would know
1: more about CVEs right, than I was about Adobe? To say, right? Man, they have had a torrid history
2: <laughs> of issues with their software suites. Oh man.
0: I guess maybe I'm, i I misunderstood how the CVE numbering works because MITRE is the name that I think of when mm-hmm. I think of that, because when I was first learning about this stuff, that's what came up a lot. Oh, we'll go to MITRE.org. We'll take a look at this. Um, or is it, it's org right? Not.com.
1: Yes. Um,
0: so I guess to, to, I guess it makes sense that, you know, they're talking about how this process went, how they were able to get accepted as a numbering authority. And, Oh, we'd like to thank the CVE.org group and board. So there's this whole other website that's CVE.org. So I guess, I guess it just didn't register with me that MITRE is just one of apparently hundreds Of organizations and and it's not a who's competing to number something first. It's it's a it's a collaborative thing.
2: Right. Well, MITRE is like the the organization that's kind of like the governing body. Okay. Right. And these are partners that would be able to issue their own CVEs based off of that it is connected with our software or our suite of software. Right. So they're they're saying there's so many CVEs that we have to deal with, and you're such a large company, and you have quite a few of them are yours. Why don't you go ahead and and handle the workload, and we'll just kind of govern and oversee. So that's that seems to be what's going on here.
0: Okay, gotcha. I get yeah. Okay, I didn't realize it was like this big collaborative effort with with all these
2: organizations. Yeah. I didn't either.
1: I thought it was all just MITRE. Yeah.
2: Uh, until today, Don, you've shattered my paradigm. Yeah.
1: So I mean, it, it does make sense, especially with responsible disclosure. Right. So like, let's say I figure out some vulnerability in the kernel, the Linux kernel. I'm not going to go to MITRE. I'm going to go to the Linux kernel team. And I'm going to tell them about it and give them 90 days or whatever to fix it. Well, in the meantime, it does need to get a CVE number, right? Yeah. And somebody else could discover the same vulnerability in that time. So somebody's got to make the decision on you know, who gets credit, and what number gets assigned. So it it does make sense to have a system like that in place. I just hadn't heard anything about it right. prior to this week. Like the It just seems surprising that it's kind of flown under the radar like that. But well, for me, at least, it, it is
2: surprising. Like you said, I how how often have we talked about CVEs and MITRE itself, yeah. and it just never came up or got into my into my vision that there were partners that were doing it for them.
1: Mm-hmm. And and we probably have some listeners right now who yeah. are like, "What's up with these idiots? Yeah, how we've do they been, been know sleeping that? on like,
2: this." Yeah, Welcome a, to my world. We okay. Are not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, with you, there's there's some reason. Oh, there's some legitimacy <laughs> to the
0: claims, right? that well speaking of i was going to ask a question but i know that may, maybe it ends up being an, an obvious question and it's just something that and i'm only a couple years into this you know there's mm-hmm. still a lot that i'm learning so i was under the impression that even if there's an, a vulnerability security issue that exists that doesn't have a fix yet it doesn't mean that you can't it can be assigned a CVE is that correct or does it have to have a fix available
1: no, they issue CVEs for things that aren't fixed all the okay. time. Okay, yeah. that's yeah. what I thought. Yeah.
0: So there's a, a section in here that talks about uh, how no CVEs will be assigned for unfixed security issues in the Linux kernel. Does that sound legitimate or does that sound odd? No CVEs
2: odd? will be assigned for unfixed so, issues in the kernel.
0: Assignment so, will only happen after a fix is available, as it can be properly tracked that way.
1: Yeah, so if if I were a security researcher and I reported a vulnerability to the Linux kernel team, and they were working on a fix and the 90 days ran out and they still didn't have a fix and they didn't want to generate a CVE for it or a notice, they like they don't want to disclose that that's there yet. Then at that point, I imagine that that research would need to go to MITRE okay. and say like, right. these guys aren't disclosing it's yeah. time. Or they could just go on Twitter or X or whatever and, <laughs> yeah. and throw it out there. Like that, that's the process. But, um, it, I mean, we'll have to see if that happens, you know, to, to have a, a, uh, a high risk vulnerability go unreported. I, I don't think a security researcher would allow that to happen.
2: Okay, they tend to not like that. So if I'm just some random, so uh, you know, m- a lot of organizations will have their own internal security testing team that are looking for security bugs and and fixing them. And once they do find an issue, they will track it themselves and the whole nine yards. So that's that's pretty straightforward. They they'll just not disclose that until they have a patch ready. Because they don't want to disclose that. And since nobody knows about it yet, because they haven't been informed by other people, you know, what's the harm? At least that's their mindset. Then you have independent vulnerability researchers who find these things, disclose, look for any kind of contact other than thank you for the disclosure. They're like, hey, you're you working on this? We're waiting to right. hear. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd really like to disclose my information. I'd like to, you know, get it out there. We got to get a patch. When's the patch coming? And they just won't hear anything back, and then they won't hear anything back, and then it just kind of becomes a: Is this dangerous enough that I think that the the public should know? Maybe I should apply some pressure right. by disc- publicly disclosing this. Okay. And that's a that's a judgment call that everybody's got to make. And of course, there's a, you know ethical and moral, moral, philosophical arguments to be made for one way or the other, and you got to fall on your one side or the other on where you're gonna go with that. And of course, it's very. Individualistic and circumstantial. It's a lot of things that go into play of whether or not you're going to publicly disclose something that you have told them about and they have yet to fix. Okay. So that's what's up. Miter might just redirect them to to you know so that they found something in the Linux kernel. They might just redirect them. Hey, Linux takes care of that, not us. Yeah. And they'd be like, yeah, I've, I went to Linux and we're like, oh, they're they're the authority over this. Yeah.
1: So. You know, That's then, what's up. Then you get public disclosure. Yeah. And yeah. there
2: are people that do it. There are people that are like, hey, it's been it's been six months. When are you doing something about this? And they get crickets. Okay, cool. Let's see what happens. Yeah. yeah. You and had the, your chance. Yeah. And then suddenly a fix comes out in days. It's weird. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: We were working on it. Yeah. We were almost there. Just give us a second.
2: Mm-hmm. It's like when your dad tells you, I told you to clean this room. I was gonna <laughs> clean it today. I swear. <laughs> right. And you did. You were like, I'm gonna clean this is a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I was just curious because sometimes I read stuff like that and it's it's a little. I'm like, oh, I didn't think that's how it worked, but I guess I guess that makes sense if that's if that's the way the process goes. Yeah. But I'm curious to see what uh, what y'all out there listening or watching have to say about you know what we've covered thus far. We love to hear your comments. Like Daniel said, we did get quite a bit of interaction last week. You know, telling us what your your oldest device currently in use is, and that was pretty cool to hear from all of you guys what you're using out there right now. We're not using it for like you know we're not going to come and hack you or anything. <laughs> oh, he's using a twenty year old laptop. What's he doing? I was going to
2: say if you haven't if you haven't disclosed something yet because. <laughs> You're waiting for a verification from whatever organization. Tell us what that is. Yeah. Let
0: us know. <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it's a private message, actually. Don't yeah. put it in the comments. Just let us know directly.
2: I was just kidding.
1: Because what am I going to do sure. with it? <laughs> we could actually do a really long tail fishing campaign through, oh, right? our, through our, our questions. I, like You know, <laughs> um, you know what? What month were you born in? Like, just throw yeah. it in the comments. We're trying to find out what months are the most popular. That's then, right. You know, later on, it's like, well, what what year were you born in? And <laughs> after, after two or three years, we've acquired we've, enough we've, information. Yeah, I to... can <laughs> log in as anyone that's
2: in the comments.
0: Legal disclaimer please do not leave your full name, date of birth, or social security yeah. number yeah, in the said, comments did you know that of this your podcast. Social
2: security number won't show up in the comments if you type it in. <laughs> <Yeah>. Try
0: that. <laughs> do not do that, by the way. Before we, before we get ourselves in legal trouble, we'll go ahead and and take a quick break but don't worry we will be right back with some security news here on technado tired of trying to schedule your team's time around in-person learning isn't it a bummer to spend thousands of dollars on travel for professional development what if we said you can save money and time and still provide your team with the best training possible the answer to your woes is live online training from aci learning With Live Online Training, we provide our top in-person courses in private, online, instructor-led formats. You get to provide professional development in a manner that fits today's expectations. Entertaining, convenient, and effective. Our exam-aligned courses inspire the full potential of your team. Visit Virtual Instructor-Led Training at ACI Learning for more info. Welcome, and thanks for sticking with us through that break here on TechNATO. We're going to move into our security news here in just a second. But just want to remind you, whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, watching from YouTube, wherever you're joining us from, we appreciate you coming in and you know joining us for our conversation every week. Feel free to leave a comment down below. Let us know what you think of this episode. If you're enjoying it, leave a like, and maybe even subscribe so you never miss an episode of TechNado in the future, because we wouldn't want that. We'll go ahead and jump into it. I got real serious there for a second. Daniel couldn't take it seriously. <laughs> <She's> staring <We'll, laughs> the camera down. Listen, I'm you son of a I'm practicing to be a mom eventually. <laughs> I got to like, get that stare down. Like, we wouldn't yeah. want that. Clean your room. This comes to us from Bleeping Computer, and this is part of a uh, a lovely segment. It's one of my favorites. Let's see if I can do it. Don't. Do okay. go, so no. Don't. I got, a, I got a physical reaction from both of them, so yeah, that made my day. Again, this comes to us from Bleeping Computer. New critical Microsoft Outlook R C E bug is trivial to exploit. If it's just that easy, apparently. And the l- looking at this and, and some of the there were some people tweeting about it and everything. So I was going through and looking at those or Xing. I don't know what the posting about it on X. Twitch. Uh, <laughs> and it was it was it seemed like it was pretty easy to to discover. It was a matter of like a <laughs> punctuation mark that people were putting yeah. in. Yeah. So, so maybe you could break this down.
1: All right. So um so this one's trivial to pull off, which means a regular person can do it. You don't even have to be super <laughs> advanced on this one. Outlook, uh, Microsoft Outlook, the email client for years and years, has had a number of safety mechanisms in it. And there's there's things like files, file extensions that are blocked. If you try and email somebody a .vbs file, it won't let you do it. So there's, there's simple protections like that that are in there. And what this security researcher found was that they could link to a file, a malicious file, right? Something that would normally be banned or whatever. And as long as they stuck an exclamation point in the file string somewhere, or after it, the file name, then Outlook would just like ignore the whole thing. It wouldn't recognize it as something. Does it also
2: need like the random text after it? I think there's like an exclamation point plus a string of random. But text. did it have to have the text? I, I, I'm not sure if it per se needed it, but it is there, and they mentioned it.
1: Okay. the The example I saw, they just stuck like a word at yeah, the end. Yeah. Put the word so something it... in. Oh, well, that yeah. works. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know. Anybody could take a a file URL and put an exclamation point on the end of it and add some stuff, right? So that's not a hard thing to pull off. That's why they say this is trivial. And remote code execution, well... Yeah, I mean, what that file links to could be a malicious file. Outlook's not going to protect you, and now we still have to entice somebody to click on it, right? But mm-hmm. we know that's not very hard. And somebody clicks on it, and then now we're executing code on their system, and we've compromised them. So it's funny. It's like this is the opposite of what
2: I was talking about earlier, where we are trying to build more secure systems so that the end user doesn't have to worry about stuff. And that's our job, right? That's, that's the onus is on us as the security professionals and the administrators that are out there to make that safe environment as, as much as we possibly can, because this takes that safety mechanisms, that seatbelt that we put on them. And it just goes, I'm just going to unclick that for you right there. And don't worry about that. So if we get something through an email and we click on it, it, it goes, well, yeah, I want you to be able to open it, but I don't want you to be able to like execute code. So we're going to put you in a protected system, right? So, so it's read only mode. No one's going to be able to do anything. There's not going to be any macros that fire off. So we'll put you in this protected way. And what's interesting to me about this is that you can make a link, right? So like a, a, a URL link, you know, you click on the blue letters and a little finger shows up and you click on that. It takes you somewhere. Is that you can, it doesn't have to be a URL or, It is a URL, but it's in the file link format, which is just so odd to me, which is probably why it got overlooked. So if you type the word file, and that's the first part of your link, instead of HTTP colon slash slash, if you do file colon slash slash, it will go, okay, you want a file on your system. And then you put the IP address and the the link actually after that, and it goes, oh, cool, it's a file on your system that's not on your system. It's, it's this link, and it kind of follows it along. But even if that was happening, it would still protect you with the Microsoft protection. This totally says, <laughs> we're going to shit all over that. <laughs> <laughs> and what'd you have to do? Some super serious, like crazy hack? Oh, yeah. I put an exclamation point in random text <laughs> after that file, and it went, what is this? I don't know, but it's not what I think it is, so... <laughs> And that, that kind of comes down to showing you how uh, fragile security systems can be yep. because we don't see everything, we don't think of everything, and, and it's a constant revamping, a constant looking and, and finding and fixing cat-and-mouse game of, of going through these things and discovering we have overlooked something, and this is definitely one of those times, and
1: it can lead to some severe bad things. You know what I equate this to? What's that? Superman's glasses. Ah. He puts the glasses on? Clark Kent. Clark Kent. Nobody, nobody knows. Takes glasses off, Superman. Just just like that, right? (laughs) Just an exclamation point. Throw that exclamation point on there. Not not a link. Yes. Not (laughs) Superman anymore. Yep. It's Clark Kent. Let him buy. (laughs) So as as ridiculous as Superman's disguise is. I've gotten you into analogy, (laughs) teaching my analogy. (laughs) <laughs> it's like a hammer looking for a uh, that's right. penny that's or right. something <laughs> in a jar. <laughs> a jar of hammers. Yeah. You throw it at a penny. And Superman comes by
2: and he throws it at Lex Luthor, liquefying his body. <laughs> oh. Uh, you imagine right. if Superman? I mean, I guess there are <laughs> some storylines where he did kind of go off the rails, but you imagine he just walks up to Lex Luthor and melts him? <laughs> like, yeah, there we go. I'm sick of you. Yeah. Problem solved. <laughs> you have been an issue, sir. <laughs> and, and what are you going to do? Put me in jail. Good luck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's it. a quick fix. I don't know enough of the Superman lore, I guess, to know if that would be legitimate. Nobody, maybe we've, nobody does. Yeah. May, okay. Well, maybe we've got some, some comic book experts in dude, the comments. I could tell can tell you some stuff
2: about Superman. That dude, he used to be able to invent his own powers. That, like, in early Superman...
0: Like, he'd just be like, "Hmm."
2: go, I need to be able to do this. And he would generate it within himself to be able to do that. Hmm. Yeah. Crazy. He's a
0: self made man, is what you're saying. He
1: was literally a god. If you if you think about it, yeah. and, and I know we're uh, digressing <laughs> we're here, but here. Uh, Superman should be the coolest of all the superheroes, yeah. and yet he is the lamest. And I, <laughs> I blame part of that on his stupid costume, right? Like, he, just, he needs a better costume. But yeah. he has literally every power. He's invulnerable. Right. Uh, with the exception of Kryptonite, he can do anything. I think
2: they had to invent Kryptonite because that was the case, was he was so invulnerable. They were like, oh, kind of, kind of made this guy unstoppable. (laughs) Maybe that's why. (laughs) Because people
0: don't like a superhero that doesn't have some kind of a flaw or weakness. Well, you have
2: to have a weakness, otherwise he. Well, Superman's here, don't worry. Yeah,
1: Yeah. but you know, you take all the other superheroes that are out there. Not, I shouldn't say all of them, right? Because there's, um, was it Captain Marvel? Where she's kind of like that, right? She's practically Superman. Um, but uh, but you take Wolverine or or somebody. they, They they have superpowers, but they're not ungodly like they, they can't right. die a number of ways they still get hurt like, well, do, you,
2: do you know that uh, the adamantium is poisonous to to Wolverine yeah it's constantly poisoning his body so his healing factor is reduced because it's constantly having to keep him alive due to all the adamantium
1: in his body yeah that was in uh, old man Logan yeah uh, the
2: whole thing that's it, it, and it eventually killed him made him weak enough mm. to to be killed
0: yeah I like my superheroes with a flaw it makes them more relatable
2: <laughs> if, they, if
0: they can't die and they never do any wrong Well, okay, then you're nothing like me. Uh, Like I, I think people like to see a hero they can see themselves in a little bit. That's probably
2: gave rise to the anti-hero. I mean, do you know Jason Momoa wanted to play Lobo? He thought when they when DC contacted him that that was what was going to be. He was going to be Lobo awesome. We're doing Lobo. Come on, DC. I know this has turned into a comic book rant, (laughs) (laughs) but while we got you here, if anybody out there knows people at DC, tell them let's make that Lobo movie and make it good. Hey,
1: and they'll make Deadpool money on it. They sure as hell will. People I know yeah, the studios didn't think Deadpool R, would right? work, but yeah, do oh, it's Deadpool gotta be rated style. R.
2: <laughs> and <laughs> you will be swimming in cash.
1: Yeah. Story's already written. Just take the last Zarnian, <laughs> right? And, and run with that one. Or, go. Or I I would pay good money for Lobos Paramilitary Christmas special. Oh, any day of the week. I Are mean, you yeah,
2: if you made it forty bucks a ticket, I'm I'm doing yeah, it. Yeah. I'm yeah doing it. Free order.
1: Yeah. <laughs> free order. <laughs> I'd the, break all the, the rules. G- yeah, where's the gift then <laughs> go on that
2: one?
0: <laughs> Well, as much as I do like flaws in my superheroes, I do not like them in the context of cybersecurity. <laughs> and speaking of which, oh, crazy how we loop back around. <laughs> uh, towards the end of this, this article, as a reminder, we were talking about an RCE uh, bug that was trivial to exploit. Towards the end of this article, they talk about how uh, it's it's an issue. Uh, it's an attack vector on the latest Windows 10 slash 11, Microsoft 365. But also, other office editions and versions are likely affected. In fact, we believe this is an overlooked issue which existed for decades in this ecosystem because it lies in the yep. core of COM APIs. So that's fun and interesting. So cool. Um, so we strongly recommend all users apply the official patch as soon as possible.
2: You gotta love it when sure. they find bugs like this. Like it reminds me of like shell shock, right? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, if you holy crap! And how long has this been here since we made Bash? Oh, yeah, that, that seems like a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so everything's vulnerable to this, is what you're saying? You're like, yep, you yep. better fix it.
0: <laughs> well, maybe since we had that little uh that side street about superheroes and Superman, maybe that'll produce a new segment for us. You know, and well, speaking of segments that were just born out of thin air here on this podcast, <laughs> this next segment <laughs> is a uh, is an old favorite. This is pork chop sandwiches. Pork chop sandwiches. Oh, shit. I have a a voice in my head that is telling me to just wait. The internet used to be so much fun, didn't it? Uh, Back in the day. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. So this article comes to us from The Hacker News. Critical flaws found in ConnectWise screen connect software. Patch now. That's, every time we cover one of these, it's always like, patches as soon as possible. Is there ever a chance, is there ever a case where you wouldn't patch so, as soon as possible?
1: So I think there's times where, and I, I've mentioned this a few times over the well, over the years, where the software is like non-critical software or the attacker would need physical access to the machine to take advantage of it or whatever. And, and so then it's like, you need to patch it, but it doesn't have to be like right this moment. But with this one... If this is the first time you're hearing about it if if you run a connectwise screen connect server yourself right if you're using their cloud service then they are taking care of it for you but if you run your own server you literally need to pause the podcast to go deal with that because this is this is bad this is is really really bad so uh think like solarwinds with the solarwinds attack uh, when they got compromised it was a supply chain style compromise that wind software was installed on numerous government agencies on their management networks. And so attackers were able to leapfrog in and get to those. Well, ConnectWise is centralized management software that's used by a number of MSPs. And so this is deployed in hospitals, schools, enterprise, government. It's all over the place. And Scariest s- environment manageable. That's uh, all you yeah, have to say. That's all you have to say.
2: Scariest environment manageable.
1: So uh, ScreenConnect is software that works on, as part of the ConnectWise suite that allows well, in theory, it allows your IT help desk to remotely view the screens of employees to be able to help them and you know walk them through troubleshooting tickets and things like that. And they can re- remote execute code and, and so on as a part of Screen Connect. So this is pretty critical stuff. And if it's rolled out through your environment and attackers have a way to exploit it, that's a problem. And so there are two CVEs attached to this one. And the main one is the authentication bypass. That's the big concern. It's rated at a cool 10.0, the worst or the most the highest impact possible, right? This is, is really, really bad. Attackers can gain access to the system and then they've effectively got access to your entire environment. Worst, worst case uh, scenario. I mean, it's it's, it's bad. <laughs> this is it, right? This is the... Uh, bunker moment you've
2: been waiting for. <laughs> so pull out your, uh, you know, prep meals and 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 go down into the silo because that is where we're at when it comes to ConnectWise. Uh, so John Hammond, um, who is one of Huntress's major, um, and a friend of mine, um, uh, principal security people over at Huntress, they actually developed a proof of concept code for this and released it out to show you that this is... And And John actually put out, I think... For the, uh, he says something to the effect of, for the love of God, <laughs> patch now, because this is really, really bad. This is the Huntress found more than 8,800 servers running a vulnerable version of Screen Connect. Yeah. That is a lot. And if, like Don said, you start thinking about who are the customers that could be running this, This is where we start going, wow, that is a lot of fire in the sky you got going on here. We should probably do something about that. And so there is a patch. You need to go out there and get, like he said, if you have not paused yet and you have one of these servers running, you better
1: do it right now because it's just a matter of time if it's not already happened. So at our at our day job, we do use Connectwise Screen Connect uh, across all of our systems, and, but, <laughs> but we use a cloud deployment, so it yeah. was patched before the disclosure happens. So we we don't have to worry about We're it, right? I mean, go. you you want to trust but verify. You need to verify it's updated. We've done that. Uh, but Daniel, you, you might not know this, but our, our buddy Greg, he yeah. runs an MSP, yeah, and they use Connectwise and they run their own server, uh-huh. and so they are their they're servers. They have more than yeah, one, yeah, 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 um, but. You know, they're the the great example of, they're an MSP, they're managing services and, and security for a number of organizations that are out there. Some of them being law enforcement. Uh, yeah, 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 certainly a, a big law enforcement presence there. And uh, and so their software was was vulnerable, and so they had to run in and patch it. And and not only do you patch the servers, the servers where the critical vulnerability right. is. So patching the server is enough, but then you've got to make sure that all your clients stay up to date. And that's where it gets tricky because clients, uh, you know, they they come online, they go offline. It can be hard to make sure you get them all, but... But they had to scramble to, to put this in, in place.
2: I didn't see. Did they say that there was any uh, known exploitation in the wild on this?
0: I went to John Hammond's Twitter, or I'm sorry, X, um, just to see because he had said he'd been tweeting about it. For the love of yeah, God, yeah. go patch this. And uh, he did say they, they were shared about six hours ago as of the t- the time that we're, we're you know, releasing this. Uh, other firms have publicly shared the proof of concept. In the wild, exploitation is already happening, so this is when they share their analysis because they felt like we're not adding any yeah. risk by doing this. So you so. might
2: have to be doing some threat hunting as well if you find mm-hmm. that you have a vulnerable server. Might yeah. be a
1: good idea to look for those
2: IOCs, some IP addresses, some network connections.
1: Well, I don't. I don't think the the I. I think what John was saying, and I, I guess we could ask yeah, John to it, find so. out, yeah. is <laughs> that. Uh, uh, exploitation in the wild is happening now that the proof of concepts are on. Oh, I, I don't but, know that there was evidence of it beforehand. But even if that's so, like, you know how people are with patching. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, we'll get yeah. to that, right?
2: Any moment between the time that it was discovered and the time it was released and the, but until the time you patch, that's a window of opportunity. Yeah. And it's just ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? You don't want to pull in the incident response team if you don't have to. So even if, so maybe you're coming late to the game and you just saw that this is a problem and you went and patched. it. You still had a moniker right. of time, a modicum of time before this could have occurred uh, uh, or that, that, that this could have occurred. So you might want to just start looking for the, if there's any IOCs published or anything.
0: It, it looks like on February 20th, so it would have been Tuesday morning of this week, ConnectWise shared publicly there are users affected by the recent vulnerabilities confirming in the wild exploitation. So as of Tuesday of this week, awesome. this was going on. So there we go. I wonder, <laughs> well, I wonder who's
2: got some honeypots set up right now, looking and yeah. gathering those IOCs.
1: Hmm.
0: Time <laughs> well, to make awesome. those
2: sigma rules. <laughs> I don't
0: know; the awesome is the word I would use to describe yeah. it. But yeah, no, so you know. with
2: with with honeypots, it is awesome. Sure. Because yeah. then we learn. It's it's a safe environment to allow these hackers to do their business and have us go. huh, I see what you did there. Yeah. Now let me gather all those little pieces of information, and then disseminate that to the security community through Yara and Sigma and, and other updates that we, we can use for detecting that. And now I just have to spin up my engines to go look for these. And it goes, hey, I found it. You don't have to manually hunt that down. You can do it automatically, and figure out whether or not you got an issue.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's neat to see uh hundreds and, and John Hammond, featured in an article like this just because they, they do a lot it's well no absolutely but it's just I don't know it's neat to see that that crossover because we do you know shows with him and stuff and so yeah. I don't know it's just cool Sh- shouts out to John if, Johnny boy is a smart guy yeah well yeah no that's the understatement of the year I feel like <laughs> we'll go ahead and uh, we'll jump to this next article this one is part of a, another favorite segment called who got pwned looks like you're about to get pwned Fatality. Yeah! Uh, my favorite little audio clip that we have <laughs> Uh, So this this one comes to us once again from the Hacker News. They got a lot of good stuff happening this week. Well, good's probably not the best (laughs) way to describe it. A lot of important news happening this week. Uh, WordPress Bricks theme under... uh, I'm sorry, that's not a verb. WordPress Bricks theme... Under active attack, critical flaw impacts 25,000 plus sites. When I first read this, I thought I read it wrong. Like it's bricking your like operating system. Like they were like, oh, like yeah, this yeah. Is, it's, it's a theme. You shouldn't be using it. We're going to go ahead and brick it so you can't use it. No, yeah. it is a, a theme called, called bricks. bricks. It is actively being exploited to run arbitrary PHP code on susceptible installations. Oh, that sounds fun.
2: Yeah. Should they give it a name like Brick Bricks or Bricks Brick?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so like Hacky Hack? hack yeah, yeah, something stuff. fun. <laughs> yeah, you know, WordPress uh, is such an important platform, right? Uh, at one point, there was some forty percent of internet sites were being run from WordPress hosted systems. So, you know, it 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 is a substantial platform that is used wildly across the internet. And I'll tell you, if if you're about to launch a new website. WordPress makes it easy. You have a whole content management system and everything's nice and structured. Creating pages are really easy. But where WordPress runs into challenges are with all the things that you add to it. You know, a lot of people put plugins into WordPress to make it do extra things. And some of those plugins have vulnerabilities. Where WordPress is, I kind of feel unique, is that they're themes can have vulnerabilities. And normally when you think of a theme, you think of what, what is it? It's like some CSS, like cascading style sheets or uh, you know, some graphics, uh, color codes. How vulnerable can that be? But in WordPress, themes can do a lot more than just that. They can create forms and additional modules. You have widgets and all sorts of stuff that can be part of the theme. And the people that create these themes are oftentimes web designers and graphic designers that are not cybersecurity minded. And... You know, you might think, I've got a WordPress site. I'm going to throw this theme on there to make it look pretty. When you go to do security updates and stuff, you probably don't think of, oh, I need to update my theme. It, <laughs> you know, it's just colors and styles and fonts, right? But but because of how complex WordPress is, there's vulnerabilities in it. And this is a great mm-hmm. example of it. Like You might have a fully secured and locked down server. You might have WordPress properly installed. Permissions are all set right. But then it's your theme that allows the attacker to gain access. And that's exactly what's happening with the Bricks theme. It's actively being exploited in the wild right now. They have released an update, but I, it is hard to trust a word. Like, I do not trust third-party WordPress themes. You yeah,
2: know? yeah. And you have to do your due diligence. I mean, this just goes to show you, historically, themes and plugins have been the major bane to running a WordPress site is, and for the very reason it's almost like IOT, right? It's third parties out there. They're trying to make a cool product. And then as soon as it works, ship it. We'll worry about security later. We'll, we'll come back cause we'll, we'll just let our you know clients basically beta test these for us after they paid for it and find, Oh, there seems to be a security issue because I got hacked. Oh, well let me know about that. And I'm not saying they're not doing any security. I would like to think that, some security is being done, but maybe not to the extent that we would like to see it. So it's, but that's not their fault. They don't have to sell you on, yeah, we're totally secure. They can, they don't have to make any security. It's up to you. Someone wants to bolt that into their WordPress platform to do your due diligence and say, are there any security issues around this organization? Historically, have they been security flawed and how quickly do they come out with patches? And then you have to uh, basically asset manage <clears throat> the fact that you have third-party applications, plugins, themes, and not just go, hey, I did my due diligence with WordPress itself. Every software platform you run, you have to asset manage that and also uh, schedule updates. And uh, if there's critical vulnerabilities, you have to be on top of that. You have to Curate all of those things, and that's what makes security really hard, especially when in a modular environment where you're pulling in a bunch of third-party stuff, you're, you're heaping on complexity to yourself when it yep. comes to your security and make it very difficult. So be, just be aware that that's what's going to happen if you decide to go down that route, and don't be ignorant of the fact
1: and think, "Oh, I'm good because I patched WordPress." And you know if you talk to anybody who administers a WordPress site, they'll tell you the, the catch22 you end up in, like an update will come out to WordPress but their theme hasn't been updated yet for that update. And so they hold off on updating WordPress until the theme gets updated. It's chicken and the egg. <laughs> it, it is, yeah. yeah. And so you can end up in situations where there's an update that you know you need. You need to get in place, but you don't want to do it because it's going to break the site. And so uh, just it, if you support or use WordPress, I, I want to be clear, it's a great platform. It's mean, really powerful. It can do a lot of different stuff. I don't trust WordPress for security. And so, if you do support it, if you if you if you're responsible for maintaining it in a production environment, I encourage you to use a web application firewall, a WAF. Um, mm. The I know Securi is the one that I use. There's a couple of them that are out there. Uh, Securi is S-U-C-U-R-I. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've used them for years. I've met their CEO. Well, actually, they got bought by uh, GoDaddy now, so I, really- I don't know if he's still active in it. But yeah, yeah, mm. they, got, they got they got acquired. But what they do is they sit in between the internet and in your WordPress site. And so when a vulnerability comes out like this, they block it on the WAF. So it doesn't matter if you've patched on the backend or not. You still need to patch it, right? But you can now have some time pass before you get to it. It gives you that extra safety net. And to me, if I I ever deploy WordPress, I've done way more deployments than I would have thought possible. But uh, uh, and actually, I think I have two WordPress sites in production right now. Like our our old blog was all run from WordPress, and that's yeah. still online. Um, and I, I just put it behind a WAF, and, and that gives it that protection. And I also don't use complex themes. Like hire a web designer and tell them to create a theme for you with no widgets and bells and whistles. Like it just needs to be colors and style sheets and all that. Right. These themes that are that are out there that come with site builders and WYSIWYG editors and stuff, those are just so overly complex. That's what leads to these vulnerabilities. That's right.
2: And make sure you're using like all your standard security as well as well around your WordPress site. Make sure that you are using complex passwords, 2FA for login, that kind of thing. So that because if I can gain access to your WordPress, I could also upload my own custom themes that would allow me to have access into them as well. That might be the way that I execute code is through yep. WordPress access. So there's, like I said, a lot of complexity to dealing with this type of system. You just need to be aware of it. You have to really strategize on how your security is going to work and stay on top of that. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself vulnerable.
0: One term that was brought up that I I didn't recognize in this article, it says uh, this concerns the use of security tokens called nonces. And that was something that wasn't familiar to me. Well, so, okay. So I've heard the word before. Yeah. But it was in a wildly different context, which I'll explain in a second. But apparently <laughs> a cryptographic nonce is an, it's an arbitrary number used only once yeah, in a cryptographic no communication. Yep. So, okay, makes sense. Used only once. But apparently the, the security tokens called nonces, this is a big part of this, <clears throat> of this issue. My understanding of the word nonce, it is British slang for somebody that committed a crime that's quite disturbing. And I won't tell you what crime, but you can Google it. Okay. So I read this. As Don this, goes to Google. I read this and I was like, well, hang on a second. Where is this? What came first? What term came first or whatever? So obviously the- Nons has the, been around for a while. For, yes. Yeah. The slang came after, obviously, but it caused alarm in me for a moment. Hmm. I was like, hmm, what's going on here? So in this case, the security tokens called nonces, Does the does the, I guess, etymology or the connotation of the word- Translate over where this is something a security token that's only intended to be used once, or do you ha- do you know why these security tokens are called nonce?s
1: I thought it was number once, it's number only once. Yeah,
0: okay, that's that's the whole reason why th- that's that's the name that's been given to yeah,
2: these. Yeah, if a lot of times we will use nonces as uh, you know, kind of that that randomization, right? Which is why it's a, a number that's used only once; it's randomly generated, right. and that is used to like create the uh, randomness necessary for your cryptographic algorithm okay and if that is the key to how your cryptography works and you, that is available to an unauthorized user yeah. then they can use that to you know bypass things okay that are secure
0: yeah, there's this whole like disclaimer you should never rely on nonces for authentication authorization access control yeah given the context yeah. that makes a lot of sense of course you shouldn't yeah um so yeah, that's interesting
2: they're never meant to be exposed or, or like utilized in any way shape or form it's literally just for a, a specific. Function and then you're done with it.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, that makes sense. And like we said at the, at the beginning of this of this article, Bricks is estimated to have around twenty five thousand currently active installations. So clearly, pretty pretty popular theme. So yeah, user recommended to apply the latest patches, mitigate potential threats. That's really all. That's really all you can do, I guess, at this point. Um, wow, we we definitely covered quite a bit on CVEs and stuff today. We, like <laughs> I feel like four out of our six articles we talked about CVEs, high high rated CVEs and stuff. So we, we love those episodes. They Lots do. going on this week. Was there anything we didn't talk about? I know sometimes there'll be news, you know, articles that come up that we just we can't cover at all. Was there any anything that came out this week? Any stories that broke? That the,
2: the Chinese data leak from the, their state-sponsored APT, I thought was a pretty interesting story. Oh, I didn't see that one. Oh yeah, yeah. So the Chinese uh, AP, there's a Chinese government APT that got hacked and, or leaked. By someone and put it all on GitHub, and they talk about how they have zero days for iOS and mm. companies that they have targeted. And there's like links in it. They, they found like all these GitHub repositories with all these links in it to information from the mm. Chinese government and who they're hacking and how they're hacking and information that they have stolen. Wow. So, yeah, it was a pretty big deal.
0: Sounds like it. Yeah. Mm. Oh, thank you for and informing just, remember us. Remember <laughs> the
2: shadow brokers and they yeah. did the whole like uh, NSA. Uh, leak, And when that's where we got eternal blue from and all that other stuff kind of reminds me of that, except now she's on the other foot.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, there's been a lot on the international front. Um, the, the whole Julian Assange thing is heating up again. He's got his final I didn't, I didn't hear. his final extradition trial is coming up. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah okay. So, you know, they're still trying to get him over here to the States. Right. right. Um, who knows how that'll end up? Yeah. But. Uh yeah a lot of a lot of crazy stuff but nothing nothing really exciting uh oh I mean, if it was exciting we yeah, made it on the yeah, show right new but...
2: malware <laughs> variants oh oh uh Lockbit that was another good one yeah Lockbit got taken down by, again yeah by a multiple government
1: organizations mostly U S though I think yeah I didn't pick that one just because. They've been taken down before. Yeah. And then they come back yeah. and so it's a, it's a yeah. fun game they play. It
0: would be deja news every week yeah. if we if we covered that. Okay. I see what you mean. Well, maybe some of that stuff will like the, the Julian Assange thing, maybe if there's more developments in that, maybe that's something that'll come up in, in the coming.
1: Oh, who knows? We shall see. We
0: shall I guess we shall. Yeah. If there is anything that uh that you would like us to cover here that you know you look forward to hearing here on Technato, let us know in the comments if you are watching on YouTube. Once again, all of the older episodes of TechNATO do live on this channel. So if you if you're new here, feel free to go and check those out. There's also webinars and giveaways we've done in the past that live here on this channel. We'll do live events here sometimes uh, through ACI learning. So feel free to stick around, maybe subscribe so you never miss any of that fun stuff. I believe uh, we've got another one coming up, another All Things Cybersecurity webinar coming up here in a few weeks. Remind me who our guest is. Do you happen to remember? I think it's Joe Helley. Really? that's going to be a lot of fun so and he's I think a new guest for us so yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it so keep an eye on the channel for things like that that'll come up and once again we are sponsored by ACI Learning the folks behind IT Pro love those guys because that's what we do in our day jobs and if you're watching from the Technato website or listening from the Technato website you can click on that sponsored by button that'll take you to the IT Pro website once again sponsored by ACI Learning and you can use the code technato 30 to get a discount on your IT Pro membership and if you're not getting enough of us here you can see even more of us there I think that's pretty much going to do it. I'm, I'm losing my voice a little bit, so I'm sorry if I, if I sound a little bit like a <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's been 20 years. Uh, but if, Listen if I'm, here, Miley Cyrus. <laughs> not deep enough, not low yeah, enough. Yeah, no. But yeah, unless there's anything I'm forgetting, I think that's going to do it for this episode. All right. The, the half nod of approval. That's what I like to see. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us for this episode of Technato as always, and we will see you next week. Thanks for watching. If you enjoyed today's show, consider subscribing so you'll never miss a new episode.